0: On this week's episode, the battle heats up at the box office. Starfield gets delayed again. And it's time for our Oscar predictions. Yay! All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse.
1: Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos.
0: We're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five star review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you can like, share, subscribe. Follow or do whatever it is that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, the Lakers Fast Break, Vampires and Vitae, Wild Beyond a Witchlight, which emanates from Wizards and Wine. Plus, everything that we do at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every day. So go ahead and check that out there. Plus, we showcase great Tabletop RPG action in the video section, and of course, everything that we do at the popculturecast with site. And if you could support all of that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. She is the Oscar prediction lady for <laughs> today's show. She is a great person indeed. You got to go ahead and check out what she's doing today at Vampires and Vitae. Wild Beyond the Witchlight, Demolition Force, Reckless Moves, and anything else she gets into in the world of tabletop RPG action, it is my good friend. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross. And Melinda, I keep trying to throw you off with those intros, and it's good to see I still can do it even after all this time.
2: I must still to this day stifle laughter because I know that that is a no-no in the intro. There can be no laughing here, sir. But yeah, no, I love your intros. They're great.
0: I'm trying. I'm trying my best. You know, I know you worked (laughs) with the best over the course of 20 years. So if I'm like at the bottom of the list, at least somewhere near the bottom of the list. Oh, yeah. There's that guy that I worked with at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Right. There you go. I feel honored. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but we've got a great show lined up for you. I will say that T.J. Johnson will be appearing on the show. He had some thoughts on The Last of Us, Episode 8, plus thoughts on Creed 3. We're hearing a lot about Creed 3. In fact, I'm going to drop some news for you right now. Amazon is talking to Michael B. Jordan about expanding the Creed universe, not only for more movies, but television shows the whole nine yards. I wonder how Sylvester Stallone feels about that. but hey you know what there you go expanding out even further based off the success of creed 3 so more power to him and i'll tell you what he's going to talk about creed 3 and also as well the last of us episode 8 as we head into the season finale so i know he's going to have some thoughts on that as well coming up in a future episode but first up my friend we're going to be talking about some good things as well including starfield delaying again mandalorian episode 2 Bob Iger's new direction for Disney, and of course our Oscar predictions. But this weekend, on the eve of the Oscars itself, Creed Three goes in as the current box office champion here in the United States. But there's some contenders to the throne. Looks like Scream Six may pull out a win. It's projected to do right around 40 to 45 million if all goes well domestically, and another 20 to 30 million worldwide. That could really help and boost that horror genre. But also as well, 65 with Adam Driver, based off of 65 million years ago. They land on a planet with some dinosaurs. And it's got some spaceships that he was on. It crash landed. It's kind of weird something. There's a kid there. And yeah, it just kind of does not look like it's Adam Driver's best movie ever. The reviews on that are kind of tepid. But you know what? Got to go for that paycheck while you're still a good name out there. And Champions with Woody Harrelson, directed by only one of the Farrelly's. It's Bobby Farrelly. So I'm not sure you're going to get all the Farrelly comedy that's in there. So I know their views on that have been eh as well. But your thoughts on 65, Champions, and Scream 6 for this weekend at the box office?
2: I think that 65 is 100% a let's just... Adam driver decided he needed to make some money and that's why they made it.
0: It's got a 41 on Metacritic, one of the worst reviewed movies of this year.
2: Sure. And it's only March. So there's still lots of time to lower that bar. Um, (laughs) But This seems like a movie that would be a fun movie to go to just to switch off the brain, just to sit down and hopefully be a little bit entertained. Grab yourself some popcorn, some peanut M&Ms almond. If you can't have peanuts, and uh, just kick back and, and enjoy. I really do think that there, there's a place for even terrible movies in our lives. Okay. Champions, from what I'm seeing, and, and some of the stuff that I've seen on social media, is going to be a, a successful movie. I think a lot of word-of-mouth stuff is going to come uh, with that one. it didn't one get much one. higher
0: on the Metacritic scale. It's got about a 50.
2: Yeah, I feel like that one is going to be a word-of-mouth movie. And I okay. think that... It's going to do reasonably well. And sorry, I can't remember which. Scream 6. Scream 6, right. That. Ghostface coming to get you. Watch out, he's right behind you. Here's a piece of information for you. How far into the first Scream movie do you think I got?
0: Uh, maybe to the part where Drew Barrymore answers the phone and she's talking a little smack. I don't know who's talking about this. And probably where he indicates that he's right outside or in the yeah. house.
2: Yeah. I, I, she goes running like down a street or something or a driveway, yeah. doesn't she? Yeah, yep, I made it. I made it that far, so that's what I know about the Scream movie. She gets
0: killed <laughs> and then ends up doing her own talk show. How about that?
2: You know, that's uh, that's very good character development, right there. Yes, absolutely,
0: yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it Scream Six, uh, the rebooting the fa- the rebooting of the franchise was actually a master stroke for the movie company to go ahead and do that because there was a thirsting for ghostface to return. So, we'll see how long this lasts. If this does well, of course Scream 7 is going to be around the corner, but I have a feeling it's going to be the like the last time where they did the screams then it started to fade. So they put it on the shelf for a decade or so and then they're going to do the same thing again once the numbers start to fade.
2: Yeah, I feel like this is something that is a I don't know that phenomenon is the, is the right word, but I'm going to use it anyway. Uh, like a phenomenon that happens with horror movies where you can have these, you know, sequels to movies that go on to infinity as long as people are willing to to pay the price of admission to get in and, uh, and check out these movies. So it's kind of cool that, you know, a, a series, franchise, IP, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, that started in the 90s, you know, is still relevant today. I think that's pretty cool.
0: Absolutely. I'm looking forward to seeing what will happen this weekend. At the box office its cool though. We talked about it in a upcoming episode, as far as our spring preview, which we have recorded in advance where we mentioned some of the movies upcoming that we're interested in and excited for. And I noticed this weekend slate was not one of them. So no. <laughs> I will say that scream six champions, which again is Woody Harrelson's coaching a Youth basketball team and supposedly a comedy slash drama that, again, mediocre views. But Melinda saying good word of mouth may hopefully come from it. So we'll see what happens there in 65 where Adam Driver crashes on a planet with a spaceship. And he's, what, 65 million years ago with the Mm -hmm. dinosaurs that are trying to eat him. Kind of like a Jurassic Park without the park. So,
2: yeah. Yeah, this feels like it's along the lines of like the, the giant monsters fighting each other, like King Kong and mm-hmm. uh, the other one, Godzilla, you know, fighting each other. It feels like that kind of a movie. So, you know, it- it's a popcorn flick.
0: I think a lot of people will wait to streaming to catch it, but mm-hmm. we'll see what happens, though. It is the box office. And I agree with Melinda. It looks like a weekend where you might want to just go ahead and just for some light popcorn flick. Fair either 65 champions or go ahead, scream for Scream 6. Please let us know your thoughts. If you're heading out to the theaters this weekend on Oscar weekend, please let us know your thoughts. culture Cosmos at yahoo.com. Speaking of Oscar predictions, I just can't wait. I just can't wait. I can't put it at the back end of the show, I can't put it at any other point of the show. We got to go ahead and start talking about it now because that's what we think. Because it is this weekend, it's Sunday night, it's the Oscars. And it hasn't been a definitive run for everything, everywhere, all at once, my friend. But they have garnered their fair share, including the SAG Awards last weekend. So it is something that we're looking for as far as them, that movie, and all the stars, and and possibly the directors, the Daniels, are (laughs) inclined to go ahead and be favorites for it, I will say. I know in Vegas that they are the betting favorites as far as everything, everywhere, all at once. And of course, Michelle Yeoh is a slight favorite to take the lead actress position. So it's time. It's time for us in the Pop Culture Cosmos to talk about exactly who we think is going to win the major awards at the Oscars on Sunday. So your thoughts first up. We'll save the best for last. We're going to start with actors in a supporting role as my daughter says, with Angela Bassett, Hong Chow, Carrie Condon, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Stephanie Su, I think there's no doubt that Angela Bassett, as according to what I heard and what my daughter keeps saying around the house, Angela Bassett did the thing, and she's going to be doing the thing when she picks up the award on Sunday.
2: Yeah, so I'm on uh, ABC.com, and they have a a poll going on where you can go and you can make all of your Oscar picks. Mm. And right now, Angela Bassett is in the lead with 70% of the people who have cast their votes uh, have voted here. This isn't the official Oscar stuff, obviously. I wouldn't be able to look at it, but this is just a poll that they're doing on uh, ABC.com. Wouldn't it be kind of cool if you did? Just kind of hacked in there and got all the secrets. Could you imagine? Mm -hmm. Could Oh, you imagine, man.
0: Indeed. Oh, Whoa, man. man. <laughs> Best actor in a supporting role. Who do you got in this one? This one is going to be kind of interesting because Barry Keegan, Kihei Kwan, Judd Hirsch, Brian Tyree Henry, and Brendan Gleeson are all involved in this one. Ki Hui Kwan is the favorite because yeah. he's won a lot of the advanced awards for it. I will still say don't, count out brendan gleason in the banshees of Inisherin*, as it said in the movie i think that he had an outstanding performance and i really love him as an actor he's really truly one of the best that that's ever been as far as what he's done over the years but i think ki hui kwan for everything everywhere all it was has been a definitive leader by winning the majority of the awards
2: yeah, and that's reflected here in this poll. Uh, it looks like Quan is uh, in the lead with 66, percent and Gleason is number two. So you know your your thoughts are exactly correct here. But personally, I'm going to go with Gleason. I I think he's going to I think he's going to be a surprise of the night.
0: Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Want to ask you this on best animated feature? You've got Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, The Sea Beast, and Turning Red. You know we love ourselves some Turning Red, but Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio has won the majority of the awards, including a special Animators Award for the Animators Award show recently, so I have a feeling that that's going to take the top prize. Your thoughts on Best Animated Feature?
2: Well, I watched the Pinocchio movie, and it's very good. It's excellent. And so yeah. I've picked that one as the winner. But right now, ABC.com has uh, Pinocchio and Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, tied with 45% of the votes, votes between them.
0: Mm. Yeah. I still think Turning Red for me. Turning Red would be my pick, but I have a feeling that it's going to be Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. That's the one that's been leading all the advanced awards. So we'll go with that one. Best Actor in a Leading Role. So Best Actor for you, Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Inisherin, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Paul Mescal for Aftersun, and Bill Nighy for Living. I think this is Brendan Fraser's comeback vehicle. People have gotten on that feel-good train for him, even though Austin Butler, everybody's been saying, wow, for Elvis. Colin Farrell did great in The Banshees of Inisherin. I think this is Brendan Fraser's award to lose
2: and abc.com disagrees they have austin butler in the lead with 53 percent of people who've taken this poll uh picking him as the winner i'm with you though i think it's uh it's the renaissance of brendan Fraser. i think that uh he's been welcomed back with open arms and i think people are just delighted and thrilled to see him again and see him as much of him as we've seen and i'm with you brendan Fraser, on that one
0: Best Actress in a Leading Role. Here's the one that everybody's talking about with the controversy right here. Got Michelle Yeoh with Everything Everywhere All at Once, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, Andrea Risenborough for To Leslie, Ana de Armas for Blonde, Kate Blanchett for Tar. I really didn't think Ana de Armas's performance for Blonde was some of her best work. I really liked her in Blade Runner 2049. I thought The Accent did pop out from time to time on blonde. I I couldn't, I barely got even through. I barely got two thirds of the way through to blonde because it was such a mean spirited movie. I really thought it was not a very good movie at all. As I mentioned on our best and worst stuff shows. I do think though, that when it comes down to it, you've got Michelle versus Kate. And I think because the late push and the late momentum for Michelle, yo, Despite the controversy that was created off of her Instagram and the posts she made in regards to comments that were made as far as Kate Blanchett and her. I think that Michelle Yeoh is going to take it for everything, everywhere, all at once.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you. We've been fans of this movie since before the movie came out, I feel like. Everybody who's voting at ABC.com feels the same. Michelle Yeoh, 76% of people are picking her. And Shat is in second place, but only with 72%, or sorry, 17% of the votes. So yeah. I do think it's Michelle's year.
0: I do think it is as well. I'm very happy for her and her success. Cate Blanchett has always rocketed as far as the acting is concerned. So mm-hmm. I have a feeling that she will be on the stage many more times in the future. Best Director, here we go with Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Inisherin*, Daniel Scheinert and Daniel Kwan, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Steven Spielberg, The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Ostlund for Triangle of Sadness. I watched Triangle of Sadness. I didn't get it. It's one of those artsy movies that Mm. you're supposed to enjoy. The barfing scene was not as bad as everybody said it was. It was actually more of a toilet thing and diarrhea thing. That was really kind of weird.
2: Woody Harrelson.
0: Yeah. Woody Harrelson babbles on and on in the movie. And it's like, all right. But I really didn't have that high of opinion of it. I really didn't Mm. think it was one of the best movies of 2022, in my opinion. I will say, though, that I think everybody's going to go with The Fablemans and Steven Spielberg's for Best Director because it's his life story or about his early life story. It's basically a thinly veiled version of that. Despite my tepidness on it, I really think that it was an okay movie. I thought the scenes somehow played out too long on some occasions. Didn't exactly think it's his best work. Still think Minority Report rocks it. So much better than that movie, but because it is his life story, or at least part of his life story, I think that people are going to do the feel-good thing. And if any category is going to do it, it's going to be this category, and it's going to be Steven Spielberg.
2: Yeah, if you get upset by Spielberg at the Oscars, you're doing all right. (laughs) I won't
0: be upset if he wins it, obviously, but I just don't think, if you're talking about movie-wise, matching up movie to movie, Mm -hmm. it's not some of his best work.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, we're we're going with the Daniels on this one, too. 75% of people on the ABC.com poll feel the same way. Spielberg in second place with the 20%. Uh, I think they're going to give it to Spielberg. I really yeah. do. Uh,
0: the, the Academy is going to give it to him. It's a feel-good thing for him. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do do people still use dials? For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA... Check out the Lakers fast break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Last but not least, it is the, and I'm just going to say right now for foreign movie, I think all quiet on the Western front. I thought the movie was all right. Visually. It's very good. I think that was a hit on Netflix. I think a lot of people are going to go ahead and support that for best international film. So for Best Picture, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of Incheren, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. So there's the candidates, my friend. I think we both know what we are liking. I think The Favorite is there. Everything Everywhere All at Once because it has such momentum. Each of the other films, for some reason or another, has not been able to keep up the momentum it has won the awards as a movie by itself already so i'm going to go with everything everywhere all at
2: once yeah absolutely and i think i know they expanded the this category i can't remember what the reasoning was ratings
0: basically to include some box Uh, office hits so top gun maverick people are going to be watching it to see if top gun maverick or avatar the way of water gets in there as far as winning it. That's why they increased. So let's not say it's because we wanted to make sure we included more worthy contenders, blah, 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 blah. They want to get some box office hits in there so people will recognize that even more and maybe even stop to see the Oscars itself.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I just don't think that this category needs to be this big. I, I really don't. I really don't.
0: Uh, sorry. It's not I know. Single.
2: But I really don't. I I just, I think it's so bizarre that Maverick is an Oscar-nominated film. It was a great movie. It was. And it was a good sequel. And it was great to see, you know, the Maverick character back on the screen. But I just don't know that it's an Oscar-worthy film. I'm not poo-pooing the movie. I said I liked it. So don't at me for that. But honestly, does that need to be on the Oscar list for Best Picture?
0: (sighs) I, again, uh, for me, it'd be better than Avatar The Way of Water, because uh, that was just, yeah, it's there. Avatar, I mean,
2: yeah, that that argument can be made as well, but at least that movie has some kind of innovation or or technology, something or other, um, you know, attached to it, and Cameron had to wait for so long to be able to do more Avatar movies for technology to catch up with what he wanted to do and what he needed to be able to do for the films and and stuff like that. So, you know, that I can understand. I, I'm just, I don't, I don't understand Maverick being (laughs) being an Oscar nominated movie. Am I, am I low key a, a movie snob? You
0: are high-key a movie snob, but that's why we love you here as part of the PCZ multiverse. So.
2: But I'm not that person, I promise.
0: No, okay. I'm more of a movie <laughs> snob than you are. I'm just joking. I'm just joking, indeed. But we're both picking everything everywhere all at once. That yeah. is the, the favorite, I think. But again, if any of the categories, I'd say the Daniels will probably get beaten by Steven Spielberg and maybe Kate Blanchett with tar so we'll see what happens but it is the oscars coming this sunday if you have thoughts any predictions on exactly who you think will win the oscars please let us know pop culture cosmos on social media or pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com you're listening to the pop culture cosmos gerald glassford cover right up back at you here at the pop culture cosmos i know my guest is excited to talk about this As it gets closer and closer to the end of season one of The Last of Us. The hit TV series that has gotten everybody across the world all up in arms. Probably what is now being called by everyone as the greatest video game adaptation ever. It's been such a sensational series. We're going to go into episode eight here before. Obviously, we're going to see this weekend's climax. The great season ender for season one but first my guest tj johnson of course you know him from his many appearances here at the pop culture cosmos is going to answer me a question so my friend before we get into the last of us episode eight i have a question (laughs) for you
1: all right shoot
0: all right i will say right now that creed 3 has been a huge success reaching a $100 million worldwide and almost $60 million in his first weekend domestically, a huge hit by any standards, especially for a series which technically you could say it's on its seventh movie. So being that the case, this is also the third in a trilogy of movies that has been part of Michael B. Jordan's life for now. So he directed this latest one and obviously when you get to a trilogy, you're going to get to a lot of cases, sometimes diminishing returns. But in the case of Creed 3, it's such a huge <laughs> hit. We yeah. might go on and on and on, just like Rocky. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I'd be going so, to Creed 7 here soon.
0: So, how was Creed 3, in your opinion?
1: Creed 3 was awesome. So, let me talk a little bit about my history with Creed and, and, and Rocky. I've been a fan of Rocky. Uh, For quite some time, I was always a huge boxing movie fan. I I like to act like I'm a boxer at times, and uh, I actually sparred a little bit and partake in a little boxing. So I've got a little history with the sport, but saying all that to say, I've been a huge fan of the Rocky films since Rocky one, not that I was around for Rocky one, but going back and watching Rocky one through Rocky, uh, I want to say they went all the way up to six, I think it is six Rocky films, no. How I many
0: Rocky films it? Was it six? I think it was six. Was it six? Anyways. I thought it was four. No, actually you're, you're make, probably right. It's probably a it, six, it, yeah. You know,
1: actually, I, I think it might have been, I think it might have been five. No, I think no, it was it's six. five. it's five. It's yeah. five. It might be five. Is it yeah. five? Okay. I, well, point I'm is, gonna go
0: check, I'm gonna check that out. I'm gonna check yeah, yeah, yeah. You
1: fact check. Fact checking. I don't I don't wanna be incorrect here. But point <laughs> is I've watched them all and I feel like there were five um with Rocky Balboa <laughs> being the fifth. Wow. It, it is
0: uh no it is six because it's six okay. okay all right yeah, rocky rocky balboa 2006 yes
1: there you go all right that's actually nine this is actually oh. the ninth
0: ninth
1: my goodness so it's still going strong all right so nine films and i've watched all the rockies and i was very very skeptical i was very skeptical when i heard that they were doing a uh a generational film, if you will, and um, our legacy film, I should say, in Creed, right? The, when mm-hmm. Creed first came out. When I tell you that Creed as a legacy film was the best legacy film I have ever seen, and I love Tron Legacy too. I thought Tron Legacy was awesome. Um, mm-hmm. But Creed was by far the best legacy film I've ever seen. To have these characters continue on in this generation in the way that they continued on and they continued to, to tell the story of Rocky and how what this one man helped accomplish helped sh- shape the destiny of so many other people, I thought was incredible. Michael B. Jordan was phenomenal, is phenomenal as a Dynasty Creed or Adonis Johnson, depending on which movie you're watching. So I, I absolutely adored, I thought the first one was just, was perfect. The way the Iraqi theme hit at the very last fight, the way that they didn't, they use the past, but they didn't stay in the past. And they was more by using just a quick, quick image of Apollo Creed to get Adonis back up. It was incredible, incredible. incredible. So the second one, not as good as the first one I have to be the I have to admit that I, I did not like the second one nearly as much as I enjoyed the first one so I walked into this one with bated breath because I was I started to get a little excited I heard some of the stories about how you know it was anime inspired as far as the fight scenes and and it, it got me curious because you know you can see a fight scene so many different times and you know I, i've I've watched them all from uh, Cinderella man all the rockies to uh i think even jay Gyllenhaal had had a boxing movie at one point so which there was nothing right at home my point is you've seen enough fights where it kind of gets not repetitive but you're used to seeing rocky get pummeled for you know two or three rounds before he decides to to show up and actually block and throw a jab right mm-hmm. it was hard to imagine how they were going to find a new way to stylize and show these fights i was a little concerned about that but with the anime and style, anime inspired fighting, it actually looked really, really cool. So, I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed uh, Adonis and learning more about his past and who he used to be. Um, I enjoyed Jonathan Majors. He's just, it was just—it was—it was—it was a great, it was a great, great, great movie. I do plan on seeing it again. I—I I, I thought one time was going to be enough. I, I need to see it again. So, great, 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 great movie. I really liked it
0: awesome and surprised and so it looks like there will be a 10th film in the it needs to be. creed series so i i you just can't stay away from the money if you're the uh, movie industry so it's obviously making uh quite a bit of money still even at this point uh, and just it's great to see two of the Uh, i guess most desired actors in jonathan majors and (laughs) michael b jordan yeah that's right now on the planet uh (laughs) you know just obviously facing off against each other but my gosh you know those two right now are i mean the scripts are coming their way that's for sure i've heard
1: they're kind of working together many 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 more times
0: yeah I, i i would not doubt that they they obviously have great chemistry together on screen
1: thanks for checking out the pcc
0: You know, the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. Action Figure
1: Adventure is back with season two, and we're going further than ever before, checking out more toy stores than ever before and seeing more incredible, iconic, and noteworthy pieces than you could possibly imagine. Once again, Jay grapples with how to build the ultimate action figure auction to support critically and terminally ill kids in need. Along the way, we'll chat about holy grail figures, perfect action figures, and showcase some incredible toy collections. Action Figure Adventure season two.
0: Before we head on out, though, speaking of great chemistry on screen, it is The Last of Us, which everybody is talking about besides Creed Three, and that is the episode 8, which just appeared on the air, which is, again, so funny as we remarked because you and I already know what transpires in the video games, but it's so funny to see all the reaction videos, all the reaction articles, and all the reactions on social media from Individuals who have not played the games and have watching this essentially for the first time. So you're seeing them uh, as far as Ellie and Joel encounter a group that uh, I guess likes to eat. Let's just put it that way. Uh, (laughs) Led by a, I guess it's a strangely religious sect led by David who in the video game was played by the voice of Nolan North, who we know from as the voice for Nathan Drake in the Uncharted series, another Naughty Dog favorite, actually my Naughty Dog favorite. Both are awesome games uh, series, uh, so I don't want to dissuade anybody on that, but Uncharted, as you can see behind me, is probably just a little little (laughs) bit better in my eyes. But I will say, though, that when it comes to this episode, it's another compelling episode. Even if you have played through the games, it has been a great journey. Your thoughts on episode eight and a very uh, munchy munchy time, so to speak, with uh, the cannibals <laughs> in episode eight.
1: Oh goodness, where do you start with this episode? Uh, there was so much that was going on. I think, I think the the first and foremost is obviously playing the game and having absorbed all of that, what I can appreciate about this show is kind of giving us enriching my experience. And here's what I mean by enriching my experience. In the game, at this portion of the story, you encounter David and you encounter um, his buddy, was it James, I want to say, played by uh, and, and and the show is played by Troy Baker who, fun fact, is actually the voice of Joel in the show. Little, mm-hmm. little, little, little pop culture cosmos trivia for you. So well, the nice thing about this particular episode is that you get to enrich your game experience by kind of expanding upon who this this little group was because when we found them, when we encountered them in the game, we didn't really know much about them. We just knew David and and James and we got to see their home and, and kind of that aspect of it, but we didn't get to know anything about the characters. So in getting to this episode, uh, which was an extremely extremely dark Uh, I want to be really clear this was this was some grizzly TV right here seeing the desperation in Ellie seeing the relationship that's continuing to blossom between Joel and Ellie and how you know they they cannot seem to to fathom moving on without each other it's been an incredible journey it's been an incredible ride that I, I know obviously with episode nine looming next week we're gonna see how that particularly plays out, but a fantastic episode. Uh, they really continue to push the 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 envelope in regards to storytelling. And I was be the first person to tell you that I was not on board with Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal as Joel and Ellie. I will be the first person to say that. And now I don't see Pedro Pascal or Bella Ramsey. I just see Joel and Ellie, and I see like an alternate reality version of the two but i see them regardless and the story that they're telling um the the, the way this young young ellie has had to grow up and is now a formidable enough uh, adversary on her own has, has just been really incredible to watch i have to admit it was tough watching some scenes and the reason that some of the scenes and, and i don't i mean i don't want to spoil it too too much but some of the scenes towards the end of the the, the the episode were a little bit difficult to watch because obviously as you're as you're playing a video game there's a certain level of 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 lack of realism if you will that you have but then when you see it actually with people and recognizable people and and it's live action it just adds another layer it takes away from some of the 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 protection that you have playing a video game and seeing it animated when you see it happening in a live-action setting. Uh, So it's a little bit more discomforting, if you will, if if that's the correct terminology to use, uh, watching some of those scenes play out, but powerful nonetheless. I thought this was the first time that we actually got to really see Joel unhinged. And what I mean by unhinged is this version of Joel played by Pedro Pascal is uh, a much more... Thoughtful, Joe, as far as I'm concerned, because you don't get to do the action, right? So we know Joel as all action because of the video game and, and our extended time with Joel to where when we take control of Ellie, which is essentially at this particular point in the story, you know, it's it's jarring because we're we're used to Joel being the, the hero and the main protagonist and the one that we're controlling the entire time. Yeah. So we know what Joel is physically capable of through the video game. We haven't really got to see that in Pedro Pascal's version of Joel because this version doesn't really have to do as much fighting, at least for the story's uh, sake. So it was very, uh, I thought it was actually pretty cool to see Pedro Pascal kind of really show what this Joel in this universe is about. You know, It was hinted at that he was a bit of a monster, but you didn't really see it. You didn't really know. Well, after this episode, you know exactly how far he's willing to go and how hard he's willing to go. And what's even better, what's even better, and when they say this is a perfect video game adaptation, this is about as perfect as it gets. You could literally almost go frame for frame with this episode, with some of the dialogue, with some of the action beats, frame for frame. And it is almost a one-for-one recreation of those scenes. It, it, It was really fun to watch. There was one scene that was missing that I would have enjoyed to see, but I can understand for the sake of this story it not happening. And that was when Ellie and David had to fend off hordes of zombies, or hordes of Zeds, or Walkers, whatever they're called. I think they're called infected. Walkers, I, you know, I probably infected. Yeah, uh, when they had to face off hordes of them when they were, you know, waiting on James to come back with the the medicine. You got to experience that in the game. So the trust between David and Ellie was kind of built in the game during that section, if you will. And and I, I use the term trust loosely because they didn't trust each other, but there had to be a bit of, I need to depend on you, you need to depend on me in this particular moment right now. So I need you, you need the enemy of my enemy is my friend. That aspect was built upon in the game because we had to go through it together. And the show, they didn't, sh- they didn't have that. So we actually had to have dialogue where You almost thought Ellie might have even thought that he might be who he says he is and might be a good guy and so on and so forth. And there even might have been a hint, a hint of Ellie thinking that it might be something feasible. Um, You know, the guy who played David, and I can't think of the guy's name, but he played him brilliantly. I mean, very cold very calculating, very menacing, very much in control the entire time. I mean, from the beginning, he knew exactly who she was. There's just no doubt in my mind that both David and James knew exactly who Ellie was and knew exactly who Ellie was riding with and knew exactly what to do, which is why James was so distraught when he was, when when David was like, nope, go get the medicine. This is not a code. Go get the medicine. Come back. And You can almost see that ellie figured it out about three four seconds too late when she figured out who had that they knew who she was it's about three or four seconds too late now ultimately it didn't matter because he let them he let her go and get back to joel and then she gets to joel and she's doesn't even know where to put the the penicillin. Doesn't know where to put the medicine. Which obviously, if if, if you know anything about it, you know that that's made from a fungi. Fungi. So I thought that was kind of funny too. But she doesn't know where to put the medicine. She's just hoping that she's she's doing it right. I think she's using like a a the thing that she would use to inject a turkey. It's not even a real like syringe. It's like a turkey injector. Uh, but just trying to get the medicine in the Joel and hoping that it works. She lays her her hand on his chest. Like you can see, the paternal relationship between. Joel and Ellie starting to really take shape, and then Ellie gets captured. Obviously, we again, having played the game, knew this was going to happen, so she gets captured and she gets put into this cage. And once again, David is really trying to establish this, this dominance over here and this idea that you know he can uh, help her, he can save her, he can protect her, he can do all these things. Um, his real motivations hadn't been truly unleashed yet, but that's when Ellie notices the the ear <laughs> underneath the table and realizes, holy crap, you guys are eating people. You guys are actually taking human flesh and digesting it. And as disgusting as it is, I understand, quote unquote, David's point when he's trying to say, I'm trying to feed these people. I don't know what to do. He needs help. He is not able to feed all these mouths. Winter is coming, for lack of a, a better term. Game of Thrones. And there is nothing that he can do because there's not enough food to go around. So Ellie sees this and obviously is is, is very rightfully so freaked out and is like, you're killing people and you're, you're eating them and so on and so forth. And David tries to coax her, tries to get her to come back to him and He starts to feel like he's got her starts to get closer as far as in proximity, uh, getting closer to each other. And then it it seems like David's real intentions are kind of put out there. Like he seems to have a more of an interest in Ellie romantically. It's implied that he does. I don't know if it was directly outright said, but I think it's heavily implied that his interest in Ellie became more than just an Ellie for the sake of uh, another strong person. It seemed like he kind of hinged on romantic interest in Ellie which is where he got a little, little, uh. Yeah. But then, you know, obviously Ellie goes to break his fingers and that's when all the real calamity ensues. So Ellie has proven herself to be more than capable. She is extremely smart and she likes to stay, you know, one one to two moves ahead of people, uh, which I can appreciate. She waits to the very, very last moment to play the last card she has. She's only got one card left. And there's one that I didn't even really... I kind of forgot about, it. you know, you know that Ellie's infected, right? That's the whole point of this game, right? is, is trying to get this infected, but a whole person to a, a place where she can be operated on and, and they can figure out, you know, how to synthesize a, a cure from her. But the truth of the matter is that I completely forgot until she screams right before they chop her up that I'm infected. And this is after she had already bit his hand. And I thought it was a great line where she's like, I'm infected and now so are you. You know when she he looks at his hands and realizes she's bit him and then now they're like nope that's not really I, there's no way she's like check my arm go ahead she literally had an ace up her sleeve to do that's a it's a dad joke for you she had an ace up her sleeve and was able to then take that meat cleaver and put it right into James's neck and then our favorite fight between david and ellie happens all the while joel is hell-bent on getting back to her and i, I know I'm, I'm I'm recapping the whole episode and, and i don't mean to but that's just how excited that's how much fun this show has been where it makes you want to relive everything i have literally wanted to watch this episode twice more than i've been able to i've, I've talked about this episode countless times today And my place of business right i I couldn't help it it's just it was that good of an episode (sighs) the ride inevitably needs to come to an end and i don't want it to but i know it will Uh, but this has been an incredible incredible show an incredible series the showrunner craig mazin neil um drugman thank you that's his last name he's actually co-president of naughty dog or something like that he's the creator of the last of us he's a creator yep created the last of us series and just an incredible, incredible, incredible show that they put together. The fact that they've had these like, little callbacks and having the guy who played Joel be in, the movie, be in the show and the guy who played Joel's brother being in the show and uh, the, the actual voice of Marlene being Marlene in the show. I just thought it was just very, very well done uh, with nods to the game and, and nods to the people that know the story. And uh, I, I'm excited and heartbroken that it's coming to an end next week Um, for now for now right but i i look forward to the future and to see exactly how close it continues to play the cards that are the last of us so great great show ah i can't wait i can't wait i can't wait i can't wait
0: once again it's tj johnson tj great to have you here as always any last thoughts on how this season will wrap up before we head on out
1: I mean, I, I've got thoughts, and without trying to get spoilery for the people that have not played the game, because apparently there's quite a few people that I've spoken to have not played the game, so it gets very difficult for me to... It gets very hard for me to not spoil it, but I will say this. When you find yourself in the darkness, look for the light.
0: <laughs> yep. Great thoughts there on Episode 8, what's, what's coming up this weekend with the final episode of Season 1 of... The Last of Us on HBO and HBO Max. And of course, Creed 3, which was a huge success, outpacing its expectations, earning $58 million domestically and $100 million worldwide, setting itself for a 10th movie in that series. Put all the Rockies and the Creeds together. I just want to know if they want to continue the series, who would they turn to next after Creed?
1: When you see the film, the the one if I will say gripe that I had about it is I really feel like I would have absolutely redone that ending. And once you see the movie, you'll understand what I'm talking about because then be you cool. could have definitely set up a Creed Four. Definitely okay. could have set up Creed Four. Now well, there'll be a Creed Four. Still, That's I will say. Yeah, I'm
0: yeah, just saying there will be once, for sure. Once Michael B. Jordan leaves, do they go to Drago?
1: Is that the next? <laughs> or yeah, adrian no you know he ain't going nowhere no time so michael b yeah. jordan is still young and, and is still able to do this so he ain't going nowhere no time soon okay if, so being, if, if rocky can do it in this if, if, if sylvester stallone can do it in this his is 60s, true fair if, enough michael b he ain't going nowhere no time so
0: so i look forward <laughs> yeah. to speaking to you sometime soon on creed yes. nine so, yeah, that's yes. Good. <laughs> Pencil me <laughs> in for it,
1: because <laughs> why? Well, I say, does it do more
0: or less movies than Rocky?
1: I think it does less movies than Rocky, just because it, it came from Rocky. So I just can't see it overshadowing and doing more. However, we're about to see Fast and Furious like forty-seven. So yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Who don't know. knows? Who knows? <laughs>
0: if it makes money and Michael B. Jordan loves going back to it, you never yeah. know yeah you never do once again it's my good friend Mr. TJ Johnson in about a couple weeks I think he's going to give me a full synopsis on season one of The Last of Us so I'm looking forward to hearing his thoughts Yes, and I truly appreciate the time he takes with me and looking forward to hearing more talk of Joel and Ellie right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos by either two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, my friend... There's still more to talk about on the way out. Thank you so much to TJ Johnson for sharing his thoughts on The Last of Us and also Creed 3. But before we head on out, my friend, Starfield, which I know you don't really care about because it's Xbox and not PlayStation, but it is Bethesda with their big game every few years. They throw one out at you this time around. It's not Elder Scrolls. It's not a Fallout. It's a new IP, Starfield, which everybody is excited for. Microsoft had said and indicated that it would be out before the first half of the year ended. So everybody was targeting right around June, but wouldn't you know in a fancy Dan way with a nice, beautiful looking trailer, they coyly let you know that the game is delayed until September. So it Uh. does look beautiful. It does look awesome. Can't wait to play it, but I think it just deviates again and it just shows again exactly why we cannot trust the video game industry on release dates. They're just—they're useless. They're pointless to me. I, I don't even know why they even do them. You just got to say, okay, we know for sure it's coming out next month, and there you go.
2: Yeah, maybe finish the project before you announce the day that you're releasing it. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, if if you got to play test stuff and it's got to go through beta testing and and all of that stuff. I don't even know that I would be openly talking about it yet. I, I think that I would still try to keep it as low-key as possible for as long as possible. So that way, when you come on and you say, guess what? In three weeks, you're going to have a brand new whatever game and let people freak out and start setting up tent cities and getting ready to sleep out to grab a hold of... Oh, wait, you don't have to do that anymore. You can get everything no. digitally. No. I just yep, yep, yep. showed my age rate on the internet, didn't I?
0: <laughs> yes, you did.
2: It's still, there's
0: still people that do it. <laughs> people that camp outside of GameStop and all that but yeah, yeah it's not the same no no, no no but what are your thoughts out there on starfield being delayed again i know melinda doesn't really care about it because it's xbox and she's allergic to xbox but it is a big deal for us here that do like xbox please let us know your thoughts i always love to put that in there please let us know your thoughts <laughs> pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com But my friend, before we head on out, it's Disney. Uh, Did you get a chance to check out The Mandalorian Episode 2, The Minds of Mandalore?
2: I have not because I've been waiting for an opportunity to have Robbie at home and myself at home at the same time so we can watch it together. That's, That's our show that we cannot watch without the other. And that's the only real show that we have that's like that, outside of, you know, anime, really. But, yeah, so I haven't watched it yet. It is on the slate for tonight. I've got to go pick him up as soon as we're done here. So
0: Okay, so I will tell you that this is not a stretch or really, truly any spoilers or detail. Anyways, Mm -hmm. he goes to Mandalore. He's looking for the mines of Mandalore. He is, uh, so he can actually bathe in the sacred waters beneath the you know, surface of the Mandalore. And, of course, he comes through a whole bunch of trouble here mm-hmm. and there. And, yeah, I will tell you how he gets out of it or does he yeah. get out of it. Because I think it's more like of a, a part one of two collaboration between the next two episodes. Because you really get to find out if he does bathe. But I will say, though, that it does create some interest and, of course, it is action-packed because you got to keep the action going. But I like the fact that they make sure that they blend a whole bunch of action within the confines of the Mandalorian.
2: They've done a really great job of being able to balance, you know, those really sweet moments between the Mandalorian and Groku and, you know, those action moments, but also understanding the Mandalorian as a, like a a religion with the helmet. And I just think they've done a really good job making sure that they were balancing all of the elements of the show. I'm with you on that.
0: Share us your thoughts. If you're liking the Mandalorian so far through episode two, pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com. But before we head on out, my friend, I wanted to drop some words by Bob Iger, who had a major investor conference today and talked about the future of Disney. First of all, he was not thrilled with all the price increases to Disneyland and Disney World. So that's something that I like the fact he said that. He was not suggesting that he was going to reduce prices, but I don't think he's going to raise prices anytime soon. I do like that fact. But the thing he did say is that, yes, Disney Plus is still very much a part of the future, but having as much or as expensive a product as Marvel and Star Wars, he will be more cost-conscious as far as the content from those two entities and also any Disney Plus entities going forward. So your thoughts on this? He also mentioned Hulu. They are still exploring whether or not they want to go ahead and buy Or sell or do whatever they want with Hulu because they own sixty some odd percent of it. I want to hear your thoughts on this because again, this could mean to less content was what I was trying to get at as far as what he was saying for Dizzy Plus, which is a concern to me because the less content for adults aimed at adults on Disney Plus could mean the less viewership and the less subscribership for Dizzy Plus going forward.
2: Yeah, I'm, I agree there. And uh, another thing that's a little bit alarming is you start cutting budgets on shows like The Mandalorian, and the quality of the show is going to suffer. That's the alarming part of the statement for me, is when the accountants get involved in trying to make an entertainment entity, be it a show or a radio show or a podcast or a television show or, or what have you, uh, as soon as you start talking about clawing back on some of the budget of that stuff. Quality is probably going to start to suffer a little bit. And that is not what you want to hear right now from Disney Plus.
0: No, not at all. It gives me a little bit of a pause for concern. And I've agreed with Josh in the past that they have put out too much Star Wars and Marvel for their content. And I agree, especially with all the Marvel stuff that they threw out there on movies and and what we saw with uh, all the stuff that they threw on Disney Plus. Some of it was extraneous. Some of it they could have actually enveloped into other stories as far as introducing some of those characters instead of Mm -hmm. having their own standalone projects. I think that it led to a a downturn in quality. I mean, uh, some of the Disney Plus shows in and of themselves were not exactly fun to watch all the time. I am concerned also as well with what Bob Iger said in regards to seeing... Things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe for the third and fourth time, because it does mean for like another Thor and for other things out there that we've seen a second or or a third of already that we probably won't be seeing that in the future because he thinly veiled shot that he made at Ant-Man and the Wasp: Quantumania because he said he thinks that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is not going to include many third and fourth iterations of a character arc in a movie that you'll be seeing sometime going forward. And I think that might be good in the long run, but if you're a fan favorite of some of these characters you would like to see again on the screen, you may only see them in a joint venture like an Avengers going forward.
2: Well, you know what, though? At this point in in the late phases of the Marvel plan, that might be smart thinking, really, because Mm -hmm. you don't know at this point really know which of these new characters you're introducing to the majority of an audience for the very first time and you just don't know which ones are gonna land and which ones are gonna hit right. So not planning to have you know three, four movies based on these characters that are as of yet untested with a general audience is smart. I think that's good planning. However, I don't think it should be taken off of the table that if one of these characters do pop and really resonate with audiences, so you give them a part two and they're still hungry for more, you should be able to just go ahead and and make a third or a fourth movie with a character that earns the ability to do that. I don't think it should be implied.
0: Maybe Bob Iger's right. He would love to see fresher stories in the universe with the X-Men, Fantastic Four, Blade, and less of the mainstays until you get to an Avengers. Hopefully you can bring most, if not all, back. Where are those other entities like the ones coming over from Netflix, like Daredevil Born Again. I wonder, are we still going to see, with this cost-cutting measures possibly being in place for Disney+, plus from Bob Iger, could we still be seeing 18-plus episodes for Daredevil Born Again? And it was just announced that The Punisher, John Barenthal's The Punisher, will be a part of that series. So it's interesting to see how much of it, or if at any at all, will be cut under Bob Iger's vision for Disney.
2: You just give me Luke Cage. Give me a movie. Give me a Luke Cage movie. I loved that show. That show was so well done at Netflix. And if you, if you didn't watch it, um, please give it some time because it's so good. And it's wonderful. And it's well acted. And the music and the story is, oh, uh, the twist the twist in the show is so good you scream when you get the twist at least i did um so you know i would love to see uh, more of luke cage and i would love to see multiple luke cage movies that's a character that i really enjoyed when the show came out so well you might want to let bob Iger know that i have a draft i'm going to send it over to you of the strongly worded email <laughs> okay you can let me know Then there's some parts where it may be too strongly worded and i don't want to come across as just you know aggressive aggressive it's going to be passive aggressive or it's not correct okay do it or else how about that yeah (laughs) that'll be the byline p.s
0: do it or else
2: do it or else yeah
0: what are your thoughts out there on bob Iger's recent comments on the future of disney are you happy that he's concerning himself more about costs And we'll see better quality things from his words going forward for Marvel and Star Wars and the Disney Plus Empire. Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great show. Cannot thank you enough for stopping by. I know you have Robbie Ross, the beloved husband, to go get on the way. But any last thoughts before we head on out? Yes.
2: Everything, everywhere, all at once.
0: I knew you were going to say that. I just knew it. Yeah.
2: It's got to be, right? Like, it has to be.
0: It has to be.
2: It's just got to be.
0: It's just got to be. Although, you will be hearing me at Disneyland screaming, (laughs) no. On Sunday night, on top of the banner horn. That will upset me most because Everything Everywhere All at Once to me was the best film of 2022. It should be the winner for the Oscars on Sunday night.
2: Yeah. I am with you a thousand percent on that one. So for Melinda
0: Barkhouse-Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great.